I know. But you didn't get a Haley Steinfeld song for her to no. sing as her quote unquote original like her, song. This, in this was movie? her like debut. Oh singing. my god, yeah. I'm shocked. I thought that was a Haley Steinfeld song. No, no, no. This is a Jesse J cover that Haley Steinfeld sings in the movie. Jesse J's flashlight <laughs> is the equivalent of Ace of Base in the first movie. You're welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. And if you're joining us here, you probably love romantic comedies. Great news, we do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have... Pitch Perfect Perfect 2. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure you follow, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, as well, leave reviews. We we love to hear what you think about our podcast. Also, it helps other people find our podcast. And you can also reach out on Instagram at Romcom Rewind or on TikTok at Romcom Rewind. Um, After our episode last week, so many of you reached out and um, thank you so much for those messages. As well, Bailey reached out a little while ago said love the podcast i binge listened bracket is that a thing yes it is bailey thank you for binging us although it feels weird in that context when we describe it as she binged us i guess she (laughs) did though that's weird she listened to 49 episodes in a week thank you bailey she thinks we should do this means war that's the one with chris pine and reese witherspoon there's another guy in it, right? Oh, because there's yeah. oh my that's God. a good one. It's a it's Bane, right? Is the other guy. What's his name? Oh, oh Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Hello. Hold on. Between Tom Hardy and Chris Pine, mm-hmm. those are like two of your would I say like more attractive. Yes, leads. Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. Can, like, I'm think, a big fan. Do you think he could sizzle up to the Mount Rushmore of rom com greatness? Definitely could. He could. Yeah. Potential. Uh, there's potential there. All right, yeah. All right. We'll give yeah. him potential. Yeah. And now Pitch Perfect 2 yes. is a 2015 musical romantic comedy directed and produced by Elizabeth Banks, who also stars in this. It's the sequel to Pitch Perfect, grossed $287 million worldwide. It's wild. Surpassed the original film in five days. I know. Okay. <laughs> Am I ruining your quick facts right now? No, no, no. I have something like t- that touches on it, but nothing in that in depth. So you're good. Do you have this? The highest grossing musical comedy of all time, surpassing School of Rock. Okay. So I, I did, but I'm glad you said it. So I don't, I won't say it in mine. Just giving context. This is Love a big it. deal of a movie, huge, guys. Huge, huge. It's the continued story of our Barton Bellas starring Becca Mitchell, played by Anna Kendricks. She is now a senior at Barton University. Uh, we still have Fat Amy as Rebel Wilson. She's back along with Brittany Snow as Chloe and a few other regulars from the original movie. Um, at this point in our story, though, the Barton Bellas are now three-time acapella national champions. However, after an extremely unfortunate wardrobe malfunction, which we will get into, they were banned from all Aka competitions. Wow, I like the use of the the Aka verbiage there. You've been practicing, haven't you? I'm fully in. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) The pretense here is that unless they win this acapella world championship, they're banned. It's also kind of a side story where Becca Mitchell may be finally starting her music and production career as an intern at a record label. Which causes a little bit of friction. And there's a new freshman, Emily Jung, played by Haley Steinfeld. She joins the Barden Bellas. It's the tee up to our story. What are your thoughts on this one? We are coming to you live from the nation's capital where the Barden University Bellas are performing for the President of the United States on his birthday. I came in like a racing ball. Oh no, she has no oh, underwear oh on. Oh my god! 
We have a commando situation. She's turning. No. Brace yourself. She's coming. She's coming. The Australian singer gave the president a birthday gift from down under. The Bellas are suspended. You're being replaced by the European champions. Sound machine. How are we gonna compete with them? I'm not supposed to have any ideas. I'm the hot one. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the hot one. If we win the world championships, will you reinstate us? If you win it. This movie's good. Like you kind of mentioned, it you know surpassed the first one really quickly. But I have to say, as a sequel to the first movie, this was really well done. It hit all the boxes for me. It checked all of them. Okay. Uh-oh. Better or worse than the first one? Oh, you know, okay. I can't say that it was worse. Oh my God. Political but- Sarah's here already. Get the music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a new character, by the way, uh, on our podcast. Sarah does I don't does even the- mean to do it. <laughs> God. She's a, Just picture her walking up to a podium. Okay, tell us. Oh which one's God. better? Pitch Perfect one or two? Pitch Perfect one. Like, the original is better. Okay. But I like what they did with the second the second one to kind of continue the story. See, she does that thing where she offends <laughs> nobody. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You can say that this one wasn't as good. That's it, what I'm going to say. It wasn't as good as the first one. This movie, in my mind, is the classic too big to fail sequel. Because oh. I don't think it's as strong as the original. Because of the notoriety of the re- the original, they can mm-hmm. just you know bring so much more to the table with this one. You know they they do a lot of the same jokes. The music, I'm I'm gonna take some shots of the music. I don't think the music oh. was quite quite as good. But like they have moments where they bring in the Green Bay Packers. And you're oh like, my oh my god, that was hilarious. There's the Green Bay Packers. They bring in Snoop Dogg, and you're like, wow, that's Snoop Dogg. They bring in you know Reggie Watts is now in the Tone Hangers. Haley Steinfeld's in this. Of course, we're gonna get to Barack Obama in a few minutes. I thought the jokes were very good. The story was fine. You know, the, oh, we need to go to Denmark and beat this German acapella. Like, okay, sure. That's... Was it too big? No. You know what? I thought the too big saved it because it was just kind of like a watered down version of the original. And then all of a sudden there's a scene with Keegan, Michael Key, and Snoop Dogg. And you're like, well, I just can't not love this. Yeah. I, I liked the, the kind of down to earth aspect of the first one versus... You know, like you said, the kind of go big or go home for the sequel. Um, I still really enjoyed it, though. And you also missed Kimmel. He oh, was in it. yes, he was. Yeah, there yeah. were some huge names. Like, they got some big names for this second movie. I did think that it was hilarious that Snoop Dogg was, the, like, the character that was going to be the person recording not just an album, but a Christmas album. You, you couldn't pick a better artist to do a more bizarre thing in a, yeah, <laughs> in a recording like, studio. So wild. Sleigh bells ring. And I mean, he is so funny. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane. Snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking in the winter wind. Like, oh, he's great. I love his him. skits. Like, he and Peel kill me they're absolutely hilarious so it was really cool to have him in as becca's boss um i thought he was a really good character for her because he definitely challenged her and i loved it but anyway i'm getting too far into the movie but so it's been three years since the first movie they're now all seniors and they are performing at president obama's birthday (laughs) so 
like you mentioned earlier, a wardrobe malfunction occurs. Um, They're doing a great job. There's lots going on. And Fat Amy has like a from the ceiling ribbon thing. And it's an ode to pink. Oh, and yes. her aerobatics. Yes, it is. Yeah, because she is it aerobatics? No, air aer- not aer- aerobics. Um, you know what's funny? I actually aerial 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 stunts. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry to anyone it's who going does really that. Badly. <laughs> sorry. Okay, and she comes down from the ceiling like Pink does in all of her concerts when she does the aerobics in the air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not that, and I'm really sorry. I'm gonna look it up later. Um, I'm visualizing something much different. Her pants split. Do they ever? And then she slowly, because of the air aerobics, um, <laughs> she's slowly rotating. First, we see her butt, not great, and then she slowly rotates towards the crowd, and everybody sees the front of Fat Amy. Yes. Um. So announcers afterwards um, compare this to Marilyn Monroe, uh, and that he got a gift from Down Under <laughs> when she showed her yoo-hoo mm. to. President Obama. Talk about the bigness of this movie. The fact that they got Barack Obama. How many how many times has that happened ever in a movie? So, do you know the answer? I do know the answer to having him in the movie. Because he's done a lot of cameos on like SNL, Jimmy Fallon, lots of late night shows. But I honestly, I was looking through. I couldn't find any movies that he's done. So he didn't. Wait, what do you mean he didn't? Um, it's in a quick fact. Are they just stealing footage of Barack Obama? They may. What? <laughs> yeah. What? How is that allowed? Uh, well, I guess it is allowed. Can you they just did do it. that? You can just grab Barack Obama. Yeah, and put him in a movie? It's, it's footage from a different engagement. What a quick fact, Sarah. I know. I'll get into it more in the quick facts. So this is like up there. I haven't decided if it's my favorite scene, like my best scene yet. The, right the off opening the bat. Scene. Wow, is yes, your best scene. Because it was freaking we can hilarious. Only go down from here. Well, no, we don't go down <laughs> from here. We stay pretty level. <laughs> the climax of the movie for you is. Hey, first not three the climax. Minutes. There's like stuff that happens that I also enjoy, but it's one of my favorite best scenes. Okay. okay. They are basically shamed. They are kicked out of the National Acapella Association um, and they cannot continue in any more competitions, further engagements any anything really um they can't continue with their their tour around the country like their national tour um and so they're pretty bummed they are pretty darn bummed yeah and two things are kind of happening in this in this moment this is one of those moments where they really foreshadow the conflict of the movie because britney snow's character chloe yeah is freaking out she's like oh my god what are we gonna do guys acapella is life chloe chill out it was a mistake they're not gonna burn us for witchcraft no, but the National Acapella Association is in there talking to the Dean about us, and who knows what's gonna happen. We've won three championships. Whatever happens in there, we're gonna be fine. Maybe it's time to think about other stuff. What other stuff? I think she failed some stupid class three years in a row so she could keep on coming back yes, to the Yes, she fellas. did. I think she failed, yeah, Russian... Like, it was a language, I think. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. Anyway, while she's having this rant, we have um, Anna Kendrick's character, character Becca, on the side taking a call from a record label or recording studio, and she's essentially getting an internship job. So we have Chloe being like, all hands on deck, guys. We got to fix this. And Becca literally being like, all right, I'm uh, quietly peace out and not tell anybody that I got this other gig that's 
way more important to me than the Barton Bellas. Yeah. And I think it goes to show like where they are in their lives, right? At that point, you know, Becca's ready to move on. She's ready. You know, they're graduating this year. And I think Chloe, if she could, she'd fail fail another class just to stay another year because she's comfortable. It kind of pans out to Haley Steinfeld. So Emily Junk, her coming to orientation and the troublemakers perform and they perform, I think, Lollipop. Hey, yo, Trebles! Sucking too hard on a lollipop. Oh, love's gonna get you down. Honestly, didn't love that that musical choice. Why? It's kind of like a weird, you know, 60s lollipop song is it an innuendo you think oh you know what it might have been an innuendo i just didn't love it i don't know it's kind of weird to be like hey guys welcome to barton university here's a bunch of 19 and 20 somethings (laughs) singing like uh, a 50 year old song oh see i like it i think those are classics those are like upbeat songs that one everyone can sing and two it's just like they're just so fun everyone can sing do you know the lyrics to the lollipop song i I may have been humming along okay (laughs) You don't have to know every lyric. You can make them up, you know. You can make them up, you know. And just go along with it, grumpy gills. <laughs> Devin's been doing mornings this week. Oh and so God, he yeah. is a little bit um, on the grumpier side. So he's been getting up at... Uh, Alarm goes off at 4.30 a.m. Yeah. I am in a horrible mood. I'll be honest about it. I'm not upset. <laughs> well, I am upset, actually. Yeah, you are. I'm not accepting judgment, though, on so my I've, horrible mood. Yeah, so I've called. I've been calling him Grumpy Gills all week, so. I'll wear that hat. I'll all wear right. the t-shirt, too. I'll make Should a I Facebook get you, like, a fish? Like a fish hat? A fish hat, yeah. Grumpy Gills Devin? Jo- j- yeah, join my Facebook group, Grumpy Gills Devin. Oh, my God. We just hate everything. <laughs> Specifically the lollipop song, though, right now, anyway. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> See, I liked it. <laughs> problems with music come on <laughs> but in the first movie they actually had some very very good musical choices except for that ace of bass song they kept on doing over and yeah over they again. do and you know what I, I still have been listening like i've still been hearing it randomly at places I know, it's too. like following me around aside from that every single uh pitch perfect one musical choice very very much liked yeah do you think they they did that on purpose like the troublemakers music choices in the first movie were like stellar really really good top 40 like Mm -hmm. ones that were kind of you know on the charts and then this time like maybe because they've lost three years in a row a little bit more reserved bumpers gone bumper allen oh my god i'm so upset that they didn't make him the main villain of this movie keep going though he is something that is for sure i kind of love his character yeah (laughs) he's great so a few months go by um the school year has kicked off um emily junk has watched you know them sing at orientation the troublemakers and she knows that she can be a barden bella because she is a legacy her mom was a barden bella as well and so legacies like for fraternity or sorority houses you get kind of an automatic audition which the barden bellas aren't supposed to be taking on new people but they're like yes. she's a legacy so she's yeah just so, an auto in so from the um indecent exposure moment um can i call it that political sarah can call it that yeah absolutely (laughs) fat fat amy so a few months from that point have have, you know time has passed and so yeah like i said school started they're still getting hate mail yeah but they've worked out 
uh, a deal with the acapella association that they can go to worlds and if they win worlds then they can continue and you know continue the barton bellas and all that jazz so emily junk she has not auditioned because she goes to the auditions but the barton bellas aren't allowed to have anybody in their crew so she goes right up to their house and says like i went to auditions you guys weren't there i want to audition they said oh no sorry we can't take you we can't take you and she goes no i'm a legacy and so chloe knows the rules of the legacy because like, clearly nobody else did and she said okay you can audition right here right now in the living room she does that flashlight song Frick, I hate that song. Oh, you ha- Yeah, whoa. I'm sorry. I don't like that song. It says flashlight too much. Come to the it. Grumpy Gill's side. I think you could Let probably do you. a drinking game with this song throughout uh, the movie. You drink every time they this say flashlight? Flashlight by Jesse J is the equivalent of Ace of Bass. Sorry, did you say Jesse J? Jesse J is the singer. What? That's She's a Jesse J song? This is a Jesse J song, yeah. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld is an actual singer. Yes, I know. They didn't get a Haley Steinfeld song for her to no. sing as her quote unquote this original like her, song. This, in this was movie? her like debut. Oh singing. my god, yeah. I'm shocked. I thought that was a Haley Steinfeld song. No, no, no. This is a Jesse J cover that Haley Steinfeld sings in the movie. Jesse J's flashlight <laughs> is the equivalent of Ace of Bass in the first movie. You're welcome. I had no idea. That's hilarious. Yes. In all of this, Becca gets a job at a recording studio, um, and Jesse drops her off at the job. I love Jesse. We're not talking about Jesse J. That's we're boyfriend Jesse. Je- boyfriend Jesse. Yeah. I love that they're together now. Yeah, they're kind of just like in a healthy relationship. They are in a healthy. Sort relationship. of boring, to be honest. It kind of was, <laughs> but I wanted more. That's like an honorable mention for me is like right up front here. I wish there was more of them because, like, okay, in the first movie. All they did was kind of like bicker. Becca really just pushed them away and they only got together at the very end. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, three years later, they're together. Oh, it's great. You know, like I love them together, but you really don't get much of their story anymore. He's kind of almost a side character and I hate it. Yeah. In the first movie, Becca was actually the president of the Grumpy Gills fan club, of which I've taken over oh from God. her uh, just this week, though. Um, this is great because I wanted to bring up a question. Okay. Is this movie actually a romantic comedy. I would say it's not. No, it definitely is. I don't know where you're getting that it's not. Why? You just proved my points. Why? There's barely anything about the couple. No, 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 no. There's barely any love in this. Hold on. Jesse is... Absolutely not. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Jesse and Becca may not have as strong of a presence in this movie, but Bumper and Fat Amy's love, they do a slow-mo across the lake in a canoe, then running slow-mo to each other with an embrace and a kiss that is delicious. Don't even. So you're saying that is now the main yes. romantic relationship? <laughs> Hundo P. Yes, it is. Okay, you know what? Every point that I had against this was of Becky, Becca and Jesse. Yeah. I didn't can, think you were going to throw the fat Amy b- um, bump around thing at me. Obviously, the slow-mo just takes it away. It takes uh, the cake. I have like seven lines about this here. I had a thesis statement, a positioning statement. I was ready for the battle of is this a romantic comedy. Okay, so they have been told by the Acapella Association that their world tour... They can go to the world tour competition, but their national tour has been taken over the European winners, Das Sound Machine, so DAS, DSM for short. Um, And so they are at a car show that they were supposed to perform at, and so the Barton Bellas go and scout out the competition, and DSM are pretty good. What did you think? Das Sound Machine, yeah, it's... um... (laughs) 
it is strange that they have like thick European and or German accents and they're singing, you know, like during the riff off, they sing the thong song yes. by Cisco. Yeah. Feels a little strange. I, well, they I, do. You do know that like Europe gets music from North America. Yeah, but it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> strange. You know what? You, you're right. I was probably being reductive there because I'm like, what are they going to sing? Like 99 Luftballons, uh, you oh, know? I like that song. <laughs> That's a great song. But yeah, no, you're you're right. I I thought there should be somebody else as the lead of Doth Sound Machine. Not not the blonde, like not the blonde and the tall guy that wears like see-through mesh all the time. So because he wears see-through mesh the majority of the movie. I think the girl was great, actually. Oh, she was great. I, I think she was the perfect level of intimidating. He though, there's a different actor who could have and should have played him, maybe, and that's my what should have been. Okay. Oh, I'm really interested now. Okay, so that's kind of what they see. They realize, oh my god, if we're going to worlds, like we got to step up our game. And so they do their training montage. They do their, you know, dancing, their hula hooping, their, you know, getting ready for the the shows that they're going to be having. And all the while, Emily is the new person in the group because they've accepted her, and she really doesn't know what's happening and and there's kind of you can start to see like a little bit of a disconnect with all the Barton Bellas they're they're all trying to some are trying to figure out what they're going to do after school others are kind of sticking around for another year or two and there's just they're not jiving like they did in the first movie and you can start to see this because Emily asks Becca for help and Becca goes oh you know what like I don't have time sorry ask Chloe and you start to see, you know, you have a new recruit and you don't have time to help her be the best Barton Bella that she can be. So you can start to see little cracks through through the Barton Bellas. Um, but then we kind of pan over to Becca in her new job, though, and we get to see that she is a coffee bitch. Yeah, not much is happening at that gig. It is like a that's where Keegan-Michael uh, Key comes in. He is the... He's the boss. He's some kind of an executive at this record label slash recording studio. Yeah. Very, um, he, he's like a fun, eccentric actor. Impeccable comedic timing to have in that role. I think he's one of the highlights of this movie. I agree. And so in this scene, we actually see that she mixes with Snoop. Things weren't working for the song that he was singing. They couldn't figure it out. Nobody was really putting up their hand to kind of give any helpful information. And so Becca steps up and says, like, hey, like, let me take a shot at it. She does something with it. And he loves it. We're happy tonight. Walking in the winter wonderland. Come Santa Claus here. Come Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane. Side note, Snoop is working on a Christmas album. Yes. Hilarious. Hilarious. He does, um, like, Sleigh Bells Ring, that song. I think, yeah, that to is it. comedically awkward effect. I, like, it wasn't outright bad. There was just something about it you didn't love, and it well, wasn't until Becca mixed it that it felt good. Yeah, like, it definitely needed that added layer of somebody singing, and if somebody who's not a great singer and better kind of rapper singer, like, there's got to be that added touch. Best and or worst holiday songs by musicians, covers or originals. This oh, one's funny tough. because it's a cover, but. Okay, so I always loved like the classics like Silent Night, like the originals. Like, the but it's really got to be like ones. the Nat King Cole versions. From, yeah, like, the old ones. Yeah, yes. those are like my favorite, favorite, favorites, hands down. I always appreciate um, Last Christmas by Wham. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Like, yes. you're, you're being... 
I'm not being facetious. You're being ironic here. No. Nobody actually likes that. <laughs> it's really funny. You like Last Christmas by Wham. I do. Are you, I do. Are you aware of the game that people play around Christmas time with that song? No. It's called Whamageddon. Oh, and if no. you can get through the entire month of December without hearing Wham! Last Christmas, you like you win the game. Oh, well, then I will ruin everyone's lives because I do listen to it. Okay, what's yours? You know, this is an original. I don't think it's outright bad. It's just... Do you remember Lady Gaga had that original song, Christmas Tree? Yeah. When my friend's mom... Do you understand what it's about? No. Oh, no, Sarah. Oh, no. I don't think I've ever heard it. Oh, it's like sexual innuendo to the max. No. And one of my friend's moms actually really liked it. Like, I was just over there visiting around Christmas time, and she's like, listen to this by Lady Gaga. Oh, no. They're talk she's talking about, I know, like 90% <gasps> of this song. So like, awkward. Let me grab the lyrics. Hold on. Will you place you want to be is underneath my christmas tree talk about watermelon sugar that is the yeah you know what very similar this is the holiday version of watermelon sugar yeah my christmas tree is delicious for all for everyone who didn't realize that what watermelon sugar was about it's also about (laughs) the exact same thing as my christmas tree i just have one question about that though like is that is that a favorite or the worst it's both oh no it's both at the same time Okay. It's both the best and the worst, especially right. when people like yourself, you know, take it out of context and they're like, oh, wow, like great Christmas song. And you're like, oh, do you realize what we're talking about here? Wow. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I had no idea. I don't think I've ever actually heard that song. So I learned something new today. Not that I need to keep that in my head, but. It's knowledge for you to <laughs> go forth in your life, And that's Sarah. probably something I will never forget, With though. the knowledge that, hey, Lady Gaga, her Christmas tree is delicious. Her Christmas tree, delicious. Okay, so we see Fat Amy and Bumper finally get it on. I think they've gotten it on before, but we see it. Well, I mean, we don't see it, <laughs> but we see them sneaking off. <laughs> yes, and in the first movie, there was some... Um, sexual tension maybe it was implied like she had his phone number but we never outright knew if they were doing it or not uh in this movie they're they're doing it yeah and i'm happy that they left these scenes in this time so last movie they did do a lot of scenes that were a little bit more than you know the sexual tension that was between the two of them but they did get cut so i'm glad that they kept these scenes in this time because it gives you more of a story about the two of them and it goes back to that this is you know the, the rom-com part of the movie. Um, <laughs> really trying to <laughs> drive that home. Hammer that in stone. Um, but I also want to talk about Bumper's singing career, like where he has ended up. I actually didn't like that, how he's campus security now. After being, he was like a dance backup dancer for, I want to say, John Mayer. And now yeah. he's... Backup singer, I think. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how the mighty have fallen. I was hoping, yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more. I just love Adam Devine so much. But do you think it was because his character was just so overly cocky? Yeah, probably. And like, it just kind of like bring it down a little bit. You're like, you're not that good. Kind of a D-bag, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But this leads into, because we see Bumper with his singing career and where it's ended up, the riff-off. The riff-off. Which is my, again, best scene. Okay, so they get invited by some mysterious figure who yes. we learn is the biggest acapella, acapella fan in the world. And yeah. he invited the Tone Hangers, yeah. which is where Bumper Allen is now. 
um, the Barden Bellas were invited. Doss Sound Machine was invited. The Green Bay Packers yeah. invited as well. And then kind of strange. There was some the troublemakers the were troublemakers. there too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the showdown of national acapella is kind of what he calls it, and the riff off. So it goes through some of some of the categories that they touch on: songs about butts, mm-hmm. country love, I dated John Mayer, which is hilarious. Good old Taylor Swift songs in there. Nineties hip hop jams. Yeah. And like you said, the Green Bay Packers are in this movie. They're not good, but they're good enough. Like I gotta say, I was quite impressed. They yeah, they with have their singing. one. Well, I mean, is it actually them singing? It is. No, You're it's ruining not. my fun facts today. Uh, well, they that's a question that needs to be asked. You're ruining my quick facts today. <laughs> I wonder if they did a call out to the team, and it was only like five guys who said, "Yeah, sure, I'll do." Wow, no, you're shaking me off. That's no. They actually sent a letter requesting. To be in the movie. Sorry, the Green Bay Packers wanted to be in the movie. Yes, they sent a letter to Elizabeth Banks asking if they could be a part of the next movie. That's a joke. No, it's a serious situation. They loved the first. They loved the first movie, and they asked if they could be a part of the second one. And Elizabeth Banks said yes. See, that's like the um, like the it was just too big to be a bad movie. Where I'm sure there were so many people that. You know, Snoop Dogg, I'm sure, was like, hey, like, get me in that movie. And they're like, all right, sweet. Now we got a Snoop Dogg cameo. Easy. The G- Green Bay Packers want to be in this. Sure. Whatever. Like, let's go and with that's that. That's so fun. Like, the ability to have all those people, like, say, hey, you want to be a part of this? Yes, absolutely. Or to ask. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great success. The riff off. Your best scene. I-, I thought it was good. Like, the riff offs are always pretty good. The riff offs are the best parts of this movie. Okay. I have received messages agreeing with me. What? And they end up losing to Das Sound Machine. Das Sound Machine wins, yeah. Which, on like a terrible because technicality, because Emily Junk sang that stupid song. Yeah, not a technicality. She screwed up. That oh, was. Yeah, she did. But, but at the same time. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not a technicality. Being set up to fail, right? Because she, I don't think anybody gave her the, the rundown beforehand. Becca has been absent from the group. Um, so, good, yeah, good Emily, catch. Emily Junk made a mistake, but. But I wouldn't, she wouldn't really have put known it, the difference. I wouldn't put it all on her. Back to Becca and her new internship. Um, her boss actually has the conversation with her about the mashups. Just basically saying like, hey, you got a good ear. You got some good ideas. But really, all you do is create mashups. And I'm happy that somebody told her. Thank God they established that. God, because I was like, okay, like how many movies can we do here where she just makes up mashups? Like, well, even in the first movie, it's 2013. Mashups are cool still. Yeah, kinda. I think so. Like, yeah. unless you're doing them amazingly, they were starting to lose their interest. Um, so yeah, you, you can't bring up the same old, you know, what's the expression? Horse and pony show. I don't know. The the pony show analogy, right? She can't do the pony show again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy that, yeah, the record label said, do you not sing? Like, what else do you do kind of thing? What What's your unique selling factor? Right. And how can you so, contribute? Like, what can you bring to the table for us that's creative and new? Yeah. And not just mashups of used songs. Because he says, like, anybody can do a mashup. Like, any kid in his basement with a good laptop can make a mashup. He gives her an opportunity to say, like, find something fresh, record it, and then let me see that demo. So yeah. that was a good opportunity for her. Then we switch over to Bumper and Eight, Fat Amy's date. Is this where he proposes to her? He doesn't propose to her, but he says that he wants to be more with her 
Mm. He wants to be uh, something other than just friends with benefits or just benefits. I think they're not really friends. I think they're just benefits. Yeah. Um, and he wants to date her, but she says she can't be tied down. And they break up. <laughs> I, I think it's good, though, for him because, like, she says, well, can't we just continue what we have and, like, just continue hooking up? And good for him for standing his ground and saying, like, no, I want to be more with you because, like, I don't think that really ever happens with a guy <laughs> saying that he wants to We're be the with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a, I thought that was just like a cute part of the movie. And that's where the rom-com comes in again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is really at the point where we see the Barton Bellas just kind of fall apart. They have a gig and it's a lot really not great music choices someone gets set on fire there's too much going on on stage and they just basically fall apart and so chloe decides that they need to get back together their essence of the barton bellas is missing and it's gone and they go on a retreat and guess who runs it aubrey and they sleep in tents they do exercises and activities and learn how to sing together again aubrey the former leader of the barden bellas she is the former yes she's the former leader of the barden bellas and i'm happy that they brought her back i'm happy they brought her back into the mix because she really was a good character she was anal very controlling obsessed kind of like a drill sergeant so it's great that she runs this um work retreat business where she essentially just yells at people yeah Um, she was already doing that in the first movie. So great job. Great, great career choice. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I love how they amplified her characteristics and personality. And I think this was a perfect fit for her new career as, you know, I would like to call her a leadership specialist. But they find their sound. They do. They finally do. And it does take a, a little bit of fighting, which I'll get into shortly. Um, Chloe and uh, Becca have a huge fight and... Becca goes to walk away and she gets caught in a net and they have to save her. And afterwards they're sitting around a fire talking about the stresses and whatnot and like what they're going to do next year. And are they going to graduate? And they all kind of click again. And the Barton Bellas are back. In both movies, they have those moments where everybody just, you know, like, let's just talk about our feelings kind of thing. And it's, it's great. It's, it's cathartic, I'm sure. And yeah, get everything out in the open. Yes. And they even sing Torn by Natalie Bruglia. Bruglia? I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. Thanks, Chloe. Cold and I am shamed. Lying naked on the floor. What kind of white shit is this? Illusion never changed into something Coming out like Froyo now. Great song. It is a great song. I started singing it when they were singing it too. I loved it. And after they rekindle their Barden Bella's sound... Fat Amy realizes that she loves Bumper and she leaves the retreat at that moment and goes to him and crosses the lake on a boat singing to him. And he's just like standing there stunned with like the troublemakers all around. And like I said, slow motion running. We have our running scene. We have our running slow mo scene, embrace, kiss, and it's magic. And, okay, so on the Becca professional front, Becca and Emily produced the demo together, and it's not half bad. The record label actually like it. Yes, that freaking song, Flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Freaking flashlights, Freaking flashlights. And then things start to move quickly here. They've graduated. Now they're on their way to Worlds in Copenhagen. um, And they quickly jump into the performances with every country around the world performing, it seems, the same song. And then DSM performs a different song. It's very cool. Different song than the rest. I thought the race with the finish line was so epic. 
I don't know if you remember that, but I was like, oh, that is so cool. It was like so perfectly timed when they like slow-mo run. I actually cannot remember what you're talking okay, about. Okay, well, it's epic. You really should watch it. Okay. But the Barden Bellas is a hundred times better, and I cried. Wait, is this a Sarah Weep warning? It is. You cried during this performance? I, you know what? I didn't cry. I teared. Why? Because I thought it was really cute. What? Was it the moment where they're doing Flashlight? No, and the, not and... that song. Yes, because I liked the idea of it, but the song not so much. That all the Barden Bellas are together. Yeah, I thought that was really wow. cute. Oh, <laughs> generations of Barden Bellas. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. It was a really nice tie-in to like the very beginning of the movie when Emily's coming in and she's, you know, the legacy and the struggles of her. <laughs> Joined on stage by generations of Bellas going all the way back to the beginning. I thought it was good. It was it. not as impactful as no. the Breakfast Club song You're where right. Becca is singing to Jesse in the crowd, right? Oh my God, yeah, my heart. Okay. Right? Can so you agree? The first one with the Breakfast Club, you know, that whole to do. I cried. Yeah. This, this one, one teared. I teared. Okay. Classification. So that's the level. And then they win worlds. And then they win worlds and they're back in the acapella association. Whoop, whoop. Fat Amy's with Bumper. Becca and Jesse are, I guess, still together. Bumping. She's making music at the record label. She is. Everybody's happy. And everybody kind of moves on, which is a really nice piece. Yes. Um. So make sure you check out, though, the after credit scenes. Did you see this? No, I don't think okay, I did. Okay, so Bumper auditions for The Voice. Oh, and yes, I did. Yes, the yes. The judges are Christina Aguilera, Pharrell, Blake Shelton, and then Adam Levine, which, again, big names. That show was huge in 2015. I think my still mom pretty still big watches now, it. to be honest. Yeah. Yes, my mom still watches it, but massive and... Like, what a cool thing. It's an acapella singing thing. Like, having him audition for it, that's pretty cool. I like that he was still Bumper Allen in it. Like, one of them would turn around and he'd be like, yeah, Blake, thank you. And then Blake would turn back around. <laughs> He's like, no, Blake, no, you can't do that, dude. Still while trying to finish the song that he's getting through. Very oh, funny. I loved it. It was so good. Quick facts? Quick facts. This is Elizabeth Banks' directorial debut. The Green Bay Packers appeared in the movie after offensive lineman David Bakatari sent a tweet to director Elizabeth Banks telling her that they were huge fans of the first movie and would love to be in the sequel. The Green Bay Packers actually do their own singing and they didn't learn any choreography until the night before filming. Rebel Wilson stated that she wanted Demi Lovato to be in the movie uh, as a Bella, but Demi chose to focus on their music and tour commitments at the time. Pentatonix appeared as the Canadian group during the Worlds. That's so cool. Yeah. Excluding all singing, the character Lily only speaks five times in the entire movie. Or should I say whispers? Kay Cannon, who is the writer of both movies, appears as a news reporter after Fat Amy flashes President Obama. Ben Platt, who plays Benji, took time off his run in The Book of Mormon on Broadway to film the movie. In the Broadway play, he plays the lead character, Elder Cunningham, eight times a week. It's huge. Book of Mormon's so cool. I really would love to see that. Eight times a week is a lot of performances. Yeah. In the original script, Fat Amy had a random love interest. During the first table read, Rebel Wilson and other producers suggested that Fat Amy should be with Bumper. Rebel Wilson stated that she couldn't imagine anyone else besides Adam Devine playing her love interest. Aww. Isn't that so cute? And then they end up starring in Isn't It Romantic Together as a love interest. I know. It was Ugh. so cute. It's great. The two won Best 
Kiss at the 2016 MTV Movie Awards for their work in the movie. And when I mean them, I mean Fat Amy and Bumper. That's amazing. Yeah, or Rebel Wilson and Adam Devine. When they're doing the riff off, it's supposed to be a different person from the group each time they start singing, once it's just the two. Um, but instead, DSM continues with just the main two, while the Bellas are forced to do every every different person. Interesting. The 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, and First Lady Michelle Obama appear in the beginning of the movie. This is footage of them that was edited from the 36th annual Kennedy Center Honors reception in 2013. Coincidentally, Anna Kendrick actually did perform at that ceremony that year as part of a musical tribute to 2013 honoree Shirley MacLaine. At the 2013 MTV Movie Awards, the show opened with a live performance by some of the singers from the Barden Bellas and the Treblemakers. That's really cool. Kelly Jackal, who plays Jessica, and Ali Feeder, Das Sound Machine member, were teammates on their acapella team at USC. They were actually in acapella in yeah. real life. Mm-hmm. They were. Flula Borg, who plays Petra Kramer, co-leader of the German acapella group, has a successful YouTube channel with over 700,000 subscribers. I probably didn't say their names right, and I apologize. The only movie crew who didn't come back to work on the movie is Christoph Beck, who was the music director. Maybe that's your answer as to why the music wasn't as good in the first uh, in the second one as it was in the first. When the Bellas are going through their hate mail, Fat Amy holds up a message that had letters cut from a magazine. The letter is signed by Sonia Sotomayor. At the Times movie release, she was and is a member of the Supreme Court of Justice of the United States. Oh, that's hilarious. There were many oddities that happened throughout the World Championship sequence. One, the Canadian and Indian groups performed twice despite the other groups performing only once. DSM and the African group sang in English despite other groups performing in their native language. Most of the groups sang the same song except for DSM and the Bellas. The only actors with real list age matching their movie ages were Haley Steinfeld, who played Emily, and Ben Platt, who played Benji. Haley was 18 as a freshman, and Ben was 22 as a senior. And that's another love interest for your rom-com. It is. One of the news headlines during the opening news montage reads, Dead man found killed to death. (laughs) Adam Devine, Elizabeth Banks, David Cross, and Keegan-Michael Key have all guest starred on Modern Family. Whoa! In the movie, Becca's boss is never called by his name. However, his name is Sammy, per the name written on his coffee cup during the recording session with Snoop Dogg. But he could have just stolen Sammy's coffee mug. This was Haley Steinfeld's singing debut. She posted covers of Flashlight by Jessie J, which is the song she sings in the movie. In the same month of the movie's release, Haley was signed to Republic Records. Esther Dean, who plays Cynthia Rose, wrote and performed the song Crazy Youngsters that plays during the ending credits. Due to scheduling conflicts, Donald Faison could not appear as one of the members of the Tone Hangers following his cameo in the first Pitch Perfect movie. The only member of the Bellas who didn't return for the sequel was Juanita Walmsley as Denise. In the riff off, the song Thong Song by Cisco was sung by DSM. The song was also mentioned by the Troublemakers in the first movie right before Bumper threw the burrito at Fat Amy. Oh, fun. Okay, so we didn't go through your best scene yet. No, my best scene was, uh, you did talk about it when Fat Amy realizes that she does in fact love (gasps) Bumper Allen. Stop it. How did you not know that this was a rom-com then? Yeah, I don't really consider them to be the main, they're like the third and eighth characters in this no. movie well like, maybe bumper but like yeah. fat amy is a lead yeah she's like the third character we have becca 
Haley Steinfeld, let's say, Emily Jung. Maybe. And then Fat Amy. Anyway, ha- having seen Isn't It Romantic multiple times, once in theaters, because, you know, uh, I just wanted them to end up so badly, uh, end up together so badly. Coming over on the bus to go see him, she's, you know, in the canoe or whatever, she's paddling towards him, singing. It was great. It was I amazing. Loved I loved it. it. Yeah. It was good. Honorable mentions. Okay, so my honorable mention, and this is an honorable mention from... For the first movie as well. The acapella speak. Oh my God. I love it. But it's, and, and like I said, like <sighs> I really wanted to add this one for the first movie, but it also applies here. I love the acapella speak. It's aka awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's how I feel about that. <laughs> my honorable mention is uh, both Keegan-Michael Key. Love it. Fantastic in this movie, but also Fat Amy. I, I think she saves this movie in a lot of ways, especially in terms of the comedy. She, she carries the weight of a lot of the comedy. I think. Was that a fat joke? No. No. Okay. It was not meant to be. She carries the weight oh, of a wow. lot of jokes. I would not be so insensitive. That's... I know, but I'm just, you're not going to, you're going to cut this. No, I, now I think it deserves some explanation. That was not a, that was not a joke. What should have been? Okay. I wish we could have seen more of the relationship between Becca and Jesse. Thank you. Because it's not actually a romantic comedy. That is my what should have been. I still don't think this is a romantic comedy. Okay, it is. Like I can't, I can't continue to to argue with you about this because I'm right. You literally said that I won. My what should have been is yeah. the main German guy for Das Sound Machine. Okay, should have been played by, and I don't. Oh my gosh, I think I know who I would have had him played by. Yep, Kago. Will Ferrell. Okay, I wasn't gonna say Will Ferrell. I was going to say Andy Samberg. No. Why? No, Sarah. Why? No. Oh, Andy wow. Samberg, bad choice. Why? Will Fer- I, Will Ferrell's already done those weird. Remember Mugatsu in uh, Zoolander? Yeah. Okay. So hot right now. But he can't. What do you mean he can't? He literally did the Eurovision Netflix show where he plays yes, a guy from Iceland. But I'm sorry, but Will Ferrell's too old to play that. That's now. what's funny about it. No. Oh, so it's like somebody like Chloe who's failed something like a thousand times. Maybe. Yeah. That's I don't the know. Comedy of it, Sarah. I don't love it. Join me. And you know what? I don't love Will Ferrell and everything. I think he's had a lot of misses lately. This probably would have been really funny if he was the lead. I don't know if you could have sold it. He could have been in the tone hangers, sure. But like DOS Sound Machine isn't college students. They're adults. Are they supposed to be? They don't say, right? Well, I guess We're now that's into true. the World Acapella Championship, Sarah. No holds bar. Everything's up for grabs. I still don't I don't still don't see Will Ferrell. You can have sixty year old Will Ferrell doing No, I don't even know if he's sixty. No, he's probably I don't like think 50. he's sixty. And now overall rewatchability. Okay, so my overall rewatchability is as follows. Chemistry, four. Storyline, four. Thirst Factor, 3.5. Imagination, 3.5. Soundtrack, five. Cheese, four. For an overall score of four out of five. Wow, you gave this a four out of five. Yeah, because I gave the first one a 4.5. So I gave the first one a 3.3. Well, that's really unfortunate. I can't believe that you gave that a 3.3. That's absurd. Well, hold on to your knickers because this one is a My lower knickers score are that. held. Chemistry is a three. Storyline's a two. Why? Thirst Factor's a two. Imagination's a four. Soundtrack is a 4.5. Okay, I was going to say, whoa. Cheese is a three. All right. For a total score of 3.08 out of five. I, I still think like your overall score of Pitch Perfect should have been higher. So this one obviously would have to be lower than 3.3 because slightly. the first one was better. Yeah, slightly. Yeah. Okay, fine. 
And this has been the Rom-Com Rewind of Pitch Perfect 2. What do we have coming up? We've gotten a lot of messages about the wedding date. Yes, that one is definitely coming. We've gotten some really, really great recommendations. Keep them coming, guys, because we make sure that they're all on our list and we keep track of them. I think Never Been Kissed is next up, right? Yes. So excited for that one. Yeah. We need to go back to those 90s romantic we do. comedy. We they're so good. We dip into it every now and then, especially a late 90s, early 2000s. Even, even 80s. Let's do some of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've mm-hmm. gotten a lot of um, John Hughes, like... Um, yeah. Uh, 16 Candles. Yeah, good old Molly Ringwald. That's been suggested a few times. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. We promise. Thank you for listening, though. In the meantime, if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure you follow Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a review, and reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Rom-Com Rewind.